I wanted to start by thanking JG and NYC for the very kind review for Bedtime Stories on iTunes and whoever else the other person was that gave a five-star rating but didn't write a review. That's also kind, and I appreciate that, too. If you want, you can sign up for my uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash hugepop. What I've started doing there is uh, writing and recording and releasing commentaries on the bedtime stories, starting at the beginning. So uh, that's patreon.com slash hugepop for a dollar or more a month. You can have access to those commentaries already done the first two but uh, i guess my plan is to do all of them eventually Um, so there's that anyway tonight's bedtime story is called tell them and i'm slipping it in just under the wire here in september because for some reason i thought september had 31 days even though the little rhyme that i use to remember which months have 31 days and which ones have 30 days the very first line is 30 days hath september Let's begin. So I go into the store to pick up a few things, said Audrey. Just a few things. What things, asked Amelia. It doesn't matter what things, just toothpaste and ibuprofen. Did you have a headache? No. Did you have bad breath? I wasn't buying them to use them right away, I was just buying them because I was almost out of them here. But that's not the point of what I'm telling you. Okay, I'll shut up. So I get the stuff I'm going to buy, and I go to the front of the store, and I get in line. There are, like, two people in front of me in line, but they don't have very much stuff, so I didn't think it was going to take very long. What did they have? I don't remember. I just remember it wasn't very much. That's why I didn't think I'd have to wait very long. So probably just, like, some food, some medicine, some hygiene products. I mean, yeah, it's a drugstore, so, yeah. Okay, go on. So the person who's at the register finishes up real quick, so now there's just one guy in front of me. So he puts his stuff up on the counter, the cashier rings it up, and she tells him how much it is. It's like $8, so it's not very much. That's cheap! Well, you don't know what he was buying, but yeah, it's not a lot of money. So he reaches into his back pocket and realizes he doesn't have his wallet. Oh no! So he tells the cashier that he doesn't have his wallet. She asks him if maybe it's in his car and he can run out and get it, but he says no, he probably left his wallet on his desk at home. That's so awkward. Well, kind of, yeah. So what happened? He just had to leave without his stuff. The cashier wasn't going to let him have it for free. Amelia burst out laughing. She staggered against the wall, laughing and laughing. Wow, said Audrey, smiling at her new friend's reaction. I mean, I didn't think it was that funny. It's how you told it, said Amelia, gasping for breath, clawing at the wall with her fingers. Tell it to me again. Again? The same story? Yes, said Amelia. Hold on, let me sit down first. She crossed the room and sat down on the couch. Okay, I'm ready. It was just after 7 p.m. and the restaurant was almost empty. To Audrey, that seemed like a bad sign. This restaurant is the only place my brother will agree to meet my friends, said Amelia. You promise you aren't trying to set me up with him, asked Audrey? I promise, said Amelia. She sat next to Audrey in the booth. There was no one sitting across from them. That was where Amelia's brother was to sit, presumably. Audrey didn't understand why Amelia was so intent on introducing her to her brother. Audrey had only met Amelia two days ago when she'd moved into the recently vacated room in Amelia's apartment. Before that, all of their contact had been through texting and email, and even that had only started three weeks ago. Over the last two days, Audrey had come to realize that those text and email exchanges had not presented an accurate image of Amelia's personality. In person, she was less businesslike. The restaurant door opened and a teenage boy came in. 
He looked to be around 16, but he was very well dressed in a gray suit with a pink tie. His longish hair gave the impression of having been meticulously arranged in the recent past, and of then having that meticulous arrangement undone by malicious winds. But it wasn't a windy day. In fact, it was dead calm. The boy slid into the booth opposite Audrey and Amelia. "'Sorry I'm late,' he said. "'You're not late,' said Amelia. "'If you say so,' said the boy. He grimaced and drummed on the table with his hands. "'Where are the menus?' "'They haven't brought them yet,' said Amelia. "'Probably because they're so busy,' said the boy. Considering the empty restaurant, Audrey thought this had to be a joke, but the boy showed no sign of it being a joke, and Amelia didn't crack even the slightest of smiles. But it had to be a joke. "'I'm Neil,' said the boy. "'You must be Aubrey.' "'Yes,' said Audrey. "'Audrey, though, with a D, as in, "'Please don't finish that sentence,' said Neil. "'I know which words begin with D.' He looked under the table and asked, "'Where did you say the menus were?' "'They haven't brought them yet,' said Amelia. "'Well, what's taking so long?' asked Neil. "'We've been here dozens of times, "'and I've never had trouble finding the menus.' "'Did you come here straight from work?' asked Audrey. "'Are you asking because of the suit?' asked Neil. "'Yeah, I guess so,' said Audrey. "'Well, the suit came here straight from work,' said Neil, but I did not. "'Again, no laugh or smile from Neil or Amelia. "'No acknowledgement that a joke had, in all probability, just been made. "'I know how we can pass the time until the menus get here,' said Amelia. "'Audrey, tell Neil about what happened to you at the drugstore. "'Tell him that story.' "'Oh, that story? With the guy who—' "'Don't spoil it,' said Amelia. "'Tell it to him exactly how you told it to me.' "'She turned to Neil. "'This story is so funny. "'I had her tell it to me three times in a row.' I laughed harder and harder every time. By the third time, I thought I was going to die from laughing, but I only blacked out. That was alarming, said Audrey. The story of you hearing my drugstore story is probably a better story than my drugstore story. No, it isn't, said Amelia. Tell him. Well, you've built it up too much now, said Audrey. There's no way it can be as good as he's expecting. What? asked Amelia. Are you serious? It's better than he's imagining. There's no way he can imagine a story as good as the one you're about to tell him. I really think she's overstating it, Audrey said to Neil. All right, said Neil. Well, I don't care if you tell it to me or not, then. No, said Amelia. No, no, no. Audrey, you have to tell him. You have to. You have to. She clutched at Audrey's arm and squeezed. Okay, okay, fine, said Audrey. She told the story. When she concluded, no one laughed, not even Amelia. See, said Audrey, not that funny. You must have just been in the perfect mood for it earlier, Amelia. No, said Amelia. No, you told it differently earlier. Why didn't you tell it like you told it earlier? I did, said Audrey, more or less. I told it to you three times earlier. I'm sure I told it a little differently every time. I'm sure I used slightly different words. I'm not talking about using different words, said Amelia. I'm talking about the way you told it. Well, I'm going to leave, said Neil. What? asked Amelia. Why? We haven't eaten yet. We haven't even gotten the menus yet. She'll tell the story again. She'll tell it right this time. Neil slid out of the booth and stood up. He reached behind himself with both hands to brush the seat of his pants. I don't want to hear that story ever again, said Neil. He turned and strode out of the restaurant. A few moments later, Audrey heard the sound of a collision, a second collision, the roar of an engine, and she saw a car speed past the restaurant entrance and careen out of the parking lot and into the street. She turned to look at Amelia, who looked back at her mournfully. I'm sorry, said Audrey, instantly feeling stupid for apologizing. "'Why didn't you just tell it right?' asked Amelia. "'I tried,' said Audrey. "'I didn't know there was a wrong way to tell it. "'Why didn't you just tell the story to him? "'You could have told it to him.' "'I can't tell it right,' said Amelia. "'Only you can. Let's go.' "'Where are we going?' asked Audrey. "'You don't want to eat?' 
I do, said Amelia, but not here. This place is terrible. Neil only likes it because after the first time we ate here, I said I'd never eat here again. So now this is the only place he'll meet up with me. So every time I want to introduce a new friend to my brother, I have to prove myself wrong by coming here to eat again like I said I never would. Neil doesn't seem like he's very nice to you, said Audrey. He isn't, said Amelia. Back at the apartment, Audrey went to her room. She wanted some alone time. She still had a lot of arranging, organizing, and decorating to do. She decided to arrange her DVDs in order from her favorite to her least favorite, even though she never watched DVDs anymore. In her previous apartment, Audrey had arranged her DVDs in the order in which she had purchased them, but she felt as if moving into this new apartment in this new town could be an opportunity to, well, not totally reinvent herself, but to at least change some of her habits, to at least change how her DVDs were organized. And if she decided that the new system made her new apartment feel less like home, she could always revert to the previous system. Switching back wouldn't be too hard. She only owned 12 DVDs. Audrey heard a knock on the front door. She heard Amelia answer it in the sound of low voices, at least two of them. Amelia and someone else? No, Amelia and two others. Who was here? Audrey, called Amelia from the living room. Come out here and meet my parents. Audrey wondered if she should change back into the clothes she'd been wearing earlier while she was out. She decided against it. She was in her own home, and Amelia's parents had dropped by unannounced. It was already an inconvenience to have to stop arranging her DVDs right when she was just about to begin. She shouldn't have to change back into less comfortable clothes, too. Audrey went out to the living room in pajama pants and a long-sleeved t-shirt. The shirt had writing on the back of it, but Audrey had never really read what it said. It was an uplifting quote from someone. Hello, said Audrey in a voice that she hoped would establish a very normal tone for the impending conversation. She didn't want this interaction to go like the one with Neil had gone. Hello, said Amelia's dad. He looked a lot like Audrey's dad. His hair was thinning in the same pattern. His glasses were almost the same. He had an expression on his face that Audrey's dad made when he was feeling wary, although she didn't know if the expression meant the same thing for Amelia's dad that it did for her own dad. I'm Corbin, and this is my wife, Amelia's mom. Well, she's Neil's mom, too. I guess you've also met him. Hello, said Amelia's mom. I'm Wanda. It would have been too weird if she had looked like Audrey's mom, even just a little bit, but she didn't. Her hair was thick and straight. Her eyes were open to differing degrees. Her slacks and her shirt were covered in the same black and copper-colored diamond pattern. Her purse was apparently heavy enough to cause her to lean slightly toward the shoulder over which it hung, the left one. It's nice to meet both of you, said Audrey. We tried to meet with Neil earlier, said Amelia, looking back and forth between Audrey and her parents, but he got upset and left before they even brought us the menus. We heard, said Corbin. Neil came straight home and told us all about it. What did he say about it, asked Amelia. She touched her throat. That's why we're here, said Wanda. We want to hear your side of it. I told a story, said Audrey, just about something that happened to me at the drugstore. Just a nothing little story. But Neil didn't like it, and then he just got up and left. He may have been in a car accident in the parking lot. I heard some kind of crashing sounds shortly after he walked out. Not that it's my business. I'm not trying to tattle on him. It's very easy to upset him, said Corbin. And when he gets upset, he becomes less cautious than he should be. I'm sorry, said Audrey. I didn't know. I didn't mean to upset him. It didn't even occur to me that the story could upset him, or anyone. Wanda smiled. I can tell that you're being sincere, and we appreciate that, don't we, Corbin? Yes, we do, said Corbin. His smile looked a lot like Audrey's dad's smile. She felt confident that their two similar smiles meant roughly the same thing. You seem like a very nice girl, said Wanda. We're happy that you seem nice. 
We actually own this apartment building, so we like to make sure that the people who live here are not only good roommates and friends for Amelia, but also good tenants. And you seem like all of the above. You don't seem like someone who would provoke Neil on purpose. I wouldn't, said Audrey. I wouldn't provoke anyone on purpose. Well, we'll get out of your hair, said Corbin. I'm sure you're still trying to get settled in, but we're glad you're Amelia's new roommate. Thank you, said Audrey. That's so nice. Amelia's parents were a little strange, but they seemed, like she had said, so nice. Amelia seemed to have taken after them more than Neil had. Corbin and Wanda turned to leave the apartment. Wait, said Amelia. Mom, Dad, before you go, you have to hear Audrey's story. Amelia's parents turned to look back at her. The same one she told Neil? asked Wanda. She sounded nervous, concerned. She'll tell it right this time, said Amelia. It's so funny. I've laughed so hard three out of the four times I've heard it, and the last time doesn't really count because she didn't tell it right that time. She turned to Audrey. Tell them, she said, her eyes brightening and brightening. Audrey wanted to protest, to defer. She wanted to downplay the story, to convince Amelia's parents to let her off the hook. But that's what she had done with Neil. That's what had ruined that telling of the story for Amelia and possibly what had upset Neil. Maybe it would be better to just launch into the story, to tell it without any self-deprecation or hesitation, to just tell it as she had told it to Amelia the first three times. She looked at Corbin and Wanda and began her story. So I went into the store to pick up a few things. Audrey sat in the booth farthest from the door. She was hungry. She had hated the food at the restaurant to which Amelia had ended up taking her. From where Audrey sat, she could see the booth in which she, Amelia, and Neil had sat earlier. This time, there was a menu already on the table when Audrey sat down. There were no other customers in the restaurant, but the fact that it was almost midnight made that more understandable. Audrey looked at her phone. She had 11 missed calls from Amelia and at least one voicemail, probably more. Audrey did not want to hear what Amelia had to say. In a way, she was glad Amelia's parents had evicted her. Better now than after she was all settled in. She had to be out of the apartment by the following evening. She didn't know where she would go, maybe back to her parents' house, but the sooner she could eliminate all connections between herself and Amelia's family, the better. They were crazy. All of them. It was crazy for Amelia's parents to react to her drugstore story so negatively, but it was also crazy for Amelia to have reacted to her story so positively. It was not a story worth hating or loving. Audrey had never intended for the story to become such a thing. She had just been casually sharing an anecdote about her trip to the store when she got back to her apartment, one roommate to another. She would not have been offended if Amelia had not laughed at all, if she had just ignored it completely. Audrey probably would have forgotten about the story herself within a day or two. It was barely a story, and she had not told it in any special way those first three times she'd told it to Amelia. This insistence that she was ruining the effect of the story by not telling it properly was absurd. It was a fundamentally unimpressive story. There was no way to tell it so that one would be guaranteed to provoke gales of helpless laughter from every person in the world. A waiter appeared at Audrey's table. Ah, you've found a menu, he said. His black hair had the sheen of gel liberally applied. He wore a bow tie, which was certainly not a mandated part of his uniform, because it had pictures of guns on it. Well, maybe bow ties were mandatory, but this particular bow tie surely was not. He seemed a little surprised that Audrey had a menu, maybe even a little impressed. Do you know what you'd like to order? Could I have the grilled cheese sandwich with the cup of chili, asked Audrey, and a pink lemonade? Yes, said the waiter, but only if you pay for them. Do I have to pay now, asked Audrey? No, said the waiter at the end, after you've eaten the food. Okay, said Audrey, I mean, that's what I was expecting. I just wanted to make sure you understood our policy, said the waiter. 
He paused. Is there a particular reason you're in such a bad mood? Audrey was taken aback. Why do you say that? You're clearly in a bad mood, said the waiter. I was wondering why. For the first time, Audrey noticed that he was not wearing a name tag. You don't want to hear about it, said Audrey. It's a long story. I do want to hear about it, said the waiter. He sat down in the booth opposite Audrey. I bet the story isn't that long. I bet you're just saying that to try to keep from telling it to me. Fine, said Audrey. I'll give you the short version. So Audrey told the waiter the story. She did not give him the short version. She started from her decision to move to Multioak and continued all the way up to the present moment. And here we are, she concluded. The waiter wiped tears out of his eyes. No wonder you're in such a bad mood, he said. I'm sorry that I'm crying, but your story touched me very deeply. It's not that tragic, said Audrey. It's more just, like, weird. It's weirder than it is sad. Please don't minimize my reaction, said the waiter. Please don't discount my experience with your story. I was very moved by it. I was touched. He slid out of the booth and stood up. Wait right here, he said. Don't go away. Why would I go away, asked Audrey. I haven't gotten my food yet. The waiter hurried away and disappeared through the kitchen doors. Audrey began to peruse the menu again out of boredom. On the table, her phone lit up with another incoming call from Amelia. From the kitchen, Audrey heard raised voices, a heated argument. Pans clanged together and clattered to the floor. There was a thud, then outright shouting. Audrey couldn't understand what the voices were saying. They were shouting in a different language, but it wasn't Spanish. That much Audrey could tell. The shouting died down. A moment later, the kitchen doors swung open and the waiter came out, followed by a large man in a white apron and a white stocking cap. The waiter's bow tie had come undone. His hair was mussed, and he held an ice pack against his left eye. The waiter walked over to Audrey's table and said, This is our chef. He gestured to the large aproned man just behind him. Okay, said Audrey. She looked at the chef. He was breathing hard, presumably from the confrontation in the kitchen. Is there a problem with my order? He doesn't understand you, said the waiter. I have to translate. Well, what did he tell you, asked Audrey. Is there a problem with my order? No, no, said the waiter. I have to translate your story for him. You tell it and I'll translate. What are you talking about, asked Audrey. Which story? The one you just told me, said the waiter, about moving to Multioak, your roommate making you tell that story to her family, her parents evicting you. But why, asked Audrey. He doesn't want to hear my story. I heard you guys fighting in there. Look how upset he is. The chef's rage was on the verge of escaping containment. His internal struggle was externally visible. He'll like it once he hears it, said the waiter. He'll relate to it. Something very similar happened to him. Once he hears your story and realizes he's not alone, I think he'll have some measure of peace. Is that why he's so upset, asked Audrey. No, he's upset because he hates coming out of the kitchen, said the waiter. But I couldn't have you come into the kitchen to tell the story because that's against restaurant policy. I really don't want to tell him the story, said Audrey. I don't think he'll like it. I got into this mess because I let someone pressure me into telling stories I didn't want to tell. I think that whoever's story it is, that person should be allowed to read the audience at any given time and decide whether or not they want to tell the story. That's what I think. Yes, exactly, said the waiter. That's the moral of your story. And the chef will agree with you once he hears your story. And I should just add that if you don't tell your story, he's going to snap because then it's going to be like he came out here for nothing. So you're threatening me, said Audrey. You're holding me hostage. He's going to love your story, said the waiter. He's going to find it very moving. Remember when I was crying? Well, I was crying because your story made me think of him. It made me think of all that he's been through. It truly opened my eyes to his plight for the first time. Okay, 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 said Audrey. 
Tell it exactly how you told it to me, said the waiter, but slower so I can translate. Audrey told her story. It took forever. The waiter kept having to tell her to slow down so he could translate. Also, at some point, the waiter started crying again, which slowed the translation down even further. By the end of the story, the chef was crying, too. His rage had been replaced with other emotions, apparently. Emotions that made him cry. Audrey, on the other hand, felt nothing. She was relieved when the story was finally over. She was ready for her food. The chef spoke for the first time since he'd come out of the kitchen. "'What did he say?' asked Audrey. "'He thanked you,' said the waiter. "'He thanked you for sharing.' The chef said something else. Then he took his white stocking cap off, took his white apron off, dropped them on the floor, and walked out of the front door of the restaurant. "'What's happening?' asked Audrey. "'Your story inspired him to quit,' said the waiter.' What? asked Audrey. How? Does this mean I'm not getting my food? There's no chef, said the waiter. You don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich, asked Audrey. Can I just go in there and make it myself? It's against restaurant policy to let customers in the kitchen, said the waiter. Who's enforcing these policies, asked Audrey. There's no one else here. Here's the thing, said the waiter. This month, it was my turn to make up the restaurant policies. The policy of not letting customers into the kitchen is kind of my signature policy. So if I'm the one who allows you to break it, what does that say about me? Audrey left in a huff. She realized on the short drive across the street to the drugstore that she did not know the name of the restaurant and as such would have trouble giving it a bad review online. Audrey set a big bag of chips and a bottle of expensive juice on the counter. The cashier rang up the items and said, That'll be $8 exactly. Audrey reached into her back pocket and discovered that it was empty. She did not have her wallet with her. She had no means of paying for the chips or the juice. I don't have my wallet with me, she heard herself say, as if from a great distance, as if from another time and place. Maybe it's in your car and you can just run out and get it, said the cashier, glancing behind Audrey at the one other person in line. No, said Audrey, as a vision of her wallet sprang to the forefront of her mind. There it was, thin and black, resting on her flimsy new desk back at the apartment. No, I think it's on my desk at home. It probably is. She said, I think, and probably, even though she knew for certain that she was right about the location of the wallet. Sorry, said the cashier. I can't let you take this stuff without paying for it. I know, said Audrey. She felt the eyes of the person behind her in line lingering upon her. She turned around. There she saw a middle-aged man. He had a six-pack of beer in one hand and a stick of deodorant in the other. He looked back at her with a very mild form of interest. Do not tell anyone about what you just saw happen here, said Audrey. Uh, okay, said the man, why would I? Just as an anecdote, said Audrey, maybe when your wife casually asks you how the trip to the store was. I'm telling you this for your own good. Sure, said the man. He wanted the conversation to be over. And I'm realizing now, said Audrey, that telling you not to tell anyone about this is only making it more likely that you're going to tell someone. It's making this into more of a story. But you have to resist the temptation, okay? You don't want to end up like me, do you? No, said the man. He paused. His facial expression and his posture grew defiant. But, miss, I'll tell any story to anyone I please, or not. But that's my decision, not yours and not anyone else's. Yes, said Audrey, yes, even better. Miss, please step out of line so I can help the next customer, said the cashier. Audrey left the drugstore empty-handed. My parents won't actually force you to move out, said Amelia. I can talk them out of it before tomorrow night. I don't want to live here, said Audrey. It was almost two in the morning and she was placing her DVDs back into the box from which she'd extracted them just a few hours before. What if I let you have the bigger bedroom, asked Amelia. 
No bedroom is big enough to make putting up with unreasonable landlords worth it, said Audrey. Well, I mean, said Amelia, it was kind of your own fault. You didn't tell the story right. Audrey crossed the room and closed the door in Amelia's face. After a few moments, she heard a light tap on the door. Audrey? What? Where were you earlier? When I was trying to call you, where did you go? What happened? I just drove around, said Audrey. Nothing happened. Nothing at all, asked Amelia. Nothing worth telling, said Audrey. Oh, said Amelia. And then Audrey heard her walking away from the door, down the hall to her own room, shutting herself inside. I'm Adam Drent. Thanks for listening to this Bedtime Story. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And if you want to read Bedtime Stories and answer discussion questions, you can do so at www.hugepop.com. There you can also find links to One Man's World and the music I make is The Mispronouncer. I also have another podcast about the outdoors that I make with my friends called Out of All Doors. It's also on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at adamdrent at gmail.com or text me at 574-518-1983. I'd love to hear from you. I'll be back in around a month with another bedtime story.